Hello everyone and welcome back to the shuttle pod. This is episode 77 and I'm your host Matt and I'm joined by my friends Jared. Hello. And Lori. Hello. Hi guys. So we're just kind of rallying back from um, a, a special episode that was dedicated towards uh, a couple people we lost recently and now we're going to catch up on some news. Um little bit of news some short treks came out last week and uh, a little bit of orville nothing huge but just a little bit about the orville we can't forget about that and um so let's let's just get into it real quick uh we have some news it's kind of bittersweet in a way about michael shavon um he's you know got a nice production deal with him and his wife so that's nice for him (laughs) but it also means that he will now definitely not be the showrunner for the second season of star trek picard but the cool thing about that i have to say is that the project that they'll be doing their first project is they're turning his amazing novel the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay into a tv series and that book is what got me hooked on all of his writing it's a fantastic amazing beautiful book so that part right. is and that's like an award winning book. So, yeah. yeah. The one that Pulitzer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it's a big So, it's I mean, you can't blame him, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think um, it's it's sad for Picard because, uh, like, I'm, I like his aesthetic. I like the way that he writes. I like the way that he thinks. Um, yeah. But this is, yeah, that's, uh, there's no good side for that. But, um, but he's transitioning yeah. out, is the official word. Right. Um, so he's supposed to retain an executive producer title, but that could, of course, that could mean all kinds of things, honestly. Yeah, that could because mean Because his level of involvement, yeah, <laughs> may drastically change or maybe, you know, you never know. But it's I'm st- I'm actually still excited, though, only because I love that book so much and I love <laughs> the idea of him making it. And I have to say, like, I've been reading him for a long time, but I just read, I picked this up at a used bookstore uh, when I was in LA last month and it's it's a memoir by him and it's called Manhood for Amateurs the pleasures and regrets of a husband father and son and so oh, it's from yeah. 2009 I like that title alone. yeah that's the great. year it was published was 2009 it's filled with Star Trek stuff references and comments but I just think if you want to get a sense of him it's just a lovely I finished it today it's a beautiful book and it's filled with his very uh, unique ideas. He and I uh, clearly grew up in the exact same time, time period, which is nice for me. Because um, <laughs> all of his references are all of my references. Um, mm. <laughs> so that part's like his favorite things are my favorite. But a novel that was huge for him was huge for me. So that part's fun. But I just think anyone would enjoy reading it. It's a great read. And it's funny and wise and thoughtful and questioning and billion, has billions of Star Trek references and talks about fandom. Say, it, shows, it shows us Trekkie like cred right there. Yeah. Just yeah. And, the, and just mm-hmm. the way he talks about fandom in general, because he has a huge appreciation for fandom. Um, and, and an understanding of it, which I think is part of why we've all been so happy That's that he's on Picard, important. in addition to his writing yes. chops and story ideas. Yes. Yes. Agreed. That's yeah. important. Yeah. It's not something every every person really understands, I would say. Like fandom. Right. Right. Some people just think it's like a bunch of weirdos or just or, or a marketing target or something. But I think he understands what runs deeper, the deeper current through all of that and why and when people are fans we're not just weirdos like you know <laughs> we're actually <laughs> passionate and thoughtful 
Right. Although some of us are weirdos. Yes. Let's be real. But, okay, yeah. many. Okay, I'm actually a weirdo also. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, who isn't really in some way? Right. Um, <laughs> I remember reading on the internet many years ago. I don't know. Oh, no. I think it was I think it was some comic book website that said, the guy said, I've never understood why it's okay to be really, really into NFL football, but it's not okay to be really, really into Babylon 5. Right. That's very true, right? right. Why is ev- that? Yeah. Ev- everybody's fandom, whatever it is, looks weird to people on the outside. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, well said. That's very true, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so to these weirdos, we we're we're curious about that season two kind of discussion that came up around Shavon, because of course, like, yeah, we all kind of knew there was going to be a second and probably a third season of Picard. They, they've already said that they have a three season plan, so it's oh, probably it's probably going to happen. Um, but but you know nothing really official was said. So um, the Hollywood Press picked up on something that's actually publicly available. Uh, it's because it uses taxpayer money. Is that as you know as we've we've talked about that Picard actually films in California back back in the LA area, which is nice. Um, so one of the reasons like why they were able to do that was they secure tax credits. So, you know, film like tax credits to do that. And so they filed again for a season two. And that's pretty much how we know it's, it's, it's basically a done deal, right? They haven't announced it officially, but if they're applying for these tax credits, it's, it's all but done, you know, it's all, but it's official. And that's actually, we knew that that's actually how we got uh, figured out when season one was starting to be filmed was the same way a year ago they filed for the credits. Um, similarly, that's also how we knew there was going to be a third season of the Orville because they fire filed for tax credits as well. And before they ever announced it, you know, but it was like, Oh, you filed for tax. Credits. Well, they're pretty, pretty confident. There's going to be another season. And then of course they announced it. So it's a, it's a good indicator that somebody, the studio behind it is serious, right? Because they're taking money to make this happen, and and my understanding is it's very difficult to get that kind of thing nowadays because so much because it is. the film industry is so big it can't all be in Hollywood anymore. Right, right. It is. It's it's a huge deal. It, it, it has all kinds of requirements that I don't you know remember all the details to. But of course, it's about like obviously making sure the money comes back to California instead of floating away to other to Toronto places. or wherever. To, to Atlanta my homeland is a big one. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they were able to get one like the largest uh, like tax credit that any television project has ever been awarded at 20 million bucks, which is nothing to sneeze at. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so it's all but official. We just, you know, um, I assume I think that they're going to just wait basically another month and let Picard season one kind of kick off and have a good sort of response. And then they'll probably say, oh, and by the way, thanks to the good response, we've officially renewed for a second season. You know how, like, you know, lots of shows do that, like, especially streaming shows. Like, Netflix will be really happy with the way, like, the first week of their show went. You know, sure. The first, and then they'll be like, cool, we already renewed it for a second season. You sort of pre-renewed it. So I'm sure that's what will happen is 
next month they'll just be like by the way it's been you know pre-renewed for season two and we'll be like we knew that but that's cool now it's official (laughs) that's also it's it's that that's like the when when somebody runs for president and they announce like an exploratory committee then like a month later they make it official it's a way of getting a couple extra media hits sure oh definitely yep and of course, the funny part is CBS declined to comment about all this, but like it's there in the public records of the state of California. So whatever. Yeah, right. that's kind of <laughs> hard fine. to argue with. Yeah, it's fine. Like we said, I'm sure they'll actually say something in like a month from now. We just they just, you know, it's timing. They have to pick their timing. Yeah. So. And there was uh, other news, right? I know. Well, sort of news that isn't news. <laughs> yeah, the news that exactly news that isn't news and it. And it's still kind of a controversial subject for a lot of people, yeah. um, you know. <laughs> and of course, I think we're all kind of chuckling about the the, the maestro himself, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I don't know, you know. We're 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 back and forth on this on this guy. Like, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? I mean, I know this is frustrating a lot of fans because I mean I understand that rightfully so. I mean. We heard about this in late 2017. So here we are. That's already two years. Yep. Two years ago. Exactly. Like almost exactly two years ago, we heard about this. And then it just sort of sat there and was being worked on like, like, you know, in the background or whatever. But then that that's it. It just kind of sat there and we don't really know what's going on. <laughs> and like Lori, <laughs> as Lori alluded to, we still don't really know what's going on with it exactly because... Tarantino's been out and saying different things you know he's he's out there just kind of stream of consciousness chatting when he's been chatting up once upon a time in Hollywood because it just had its home video release and of course it's award season so he's out there doing press for that and naturally people want to ask him about that about the Star Trek script and you know anything else he's thinking about so in the span of a week he said he's for sure doing Kill Bill Volume Three. Oh, cool! Which who knows? That's and then he said he was steering away from the Trek project to one media outlet, and then uh, Mike Fleming of Deadline was in, was chatting with him, and a couple of days later, and basically got him to say, "Well, I don't know. I haven't <laughs> really decided. Nothing is official." <laughs> So, <laughs> the bottom line there is there you go. One, he can do it if he wants, and he doesn't have to do it if he doesn't want. And two, he likes to say a lot of things that are just running through his mind. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> so, there's been a lot of chatter online about this, and lots of articles claiming that the thing he claiming, said is yeah. the thing that is happening, which we've been trying right. to be uh, wary of. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of nail-biting, you know, over it. And it's like, well, it's not really what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not really sure. he's not really sure what he feels at the moment. Um, so, I mean, so, you know, the little bit that we sort of do know, right, is that there is a, there was a script written by Mark L. Smith, uh, who was the screenwriter, one of the screenwriters of The Revenant. And uh, apparently they're pretty happy with it. Like, uh, the deadline folks seem to say that Smith himself is happy with it. And the way the deadline reporter who's, you know, been chatting with Tarantino and stuff. So, so I kind of trust him more than some other people. Um, he calls it a good gift for a director 
if it wasn't Tarantino. Like it would still be something that I would direct any like any director would be like sort of happy to pick up and run with. So that's interesting. Like maybe, you know, I don't I don't really know what to think about that other than sure. I mean Tarantino's name would be on it in some form. So there's cachet there, right? Even well, if he's not directing it. The story comes from him originally, right? Right. So he had some kind of idea and then it was fleshed out into a full script. Right. That's yeah. So I mean he'd get credit for that at least and I and I bet you like he'd want to be a producer if he's not directing still or something, you know. He's not he's not gonna not have some kind of involvement, it, it seems like. If so. it happens. If I mean, happens. that's the thing is, I feel like we don't even have to get into a whole discussion of is this good or bad or this or that, because there's no, <laughs> we don't, still we still don't know iffy. if it's going to happen. So right now it's just no, we still don't. Yeah. yeah. Right. We still don't. I mean, executives of Paramount have liked throwing it around as a prestige kind of thing. Yeah. So well, there's if, that. But, but also, you know. like, look, every time they mention it, we get all these different articles on all these different sites about it i saw i saw an article that was written i saw one that was and i won't call out the site but it was written from literally half a sentence at a press conference wow you know and then there was a whole article about this one quote so i just go all right let's wait and see that's exactly it i mean that's why we just sat on it like a day to see what else happened and of course in the meantime he changed his mind and then we wrote it up <laughs> right because he he softened like what he was saying and he was like all right see that you know, whatever so not really not much has changed despite the sort of misleading you know chatter really we're sort of still where we always were which is he's still making a decision and he hasn't made one so there you go right <laughs> it, it doesn't speak well to its prospects if after two years of this that there's no uh, well, some of movement. this is on him. A lot Although, of this is on. Actually, a lot of it is on okay. him. Yeah, he like I, to do you know, Once he Upon does. He does. You know, one movie at a time, and he is right. Um, and he was doing other stuff, so I don't think that that actually uh, has an impact on it one way or the other. I just think, look, if he decides he wants to do it, he ha- he can get he can do it, and he's right. a quirky dude, so. <laughs> He will. He's going <laughs> to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in a fortunate position that he can do the thing that interests him most. And so it's sure. just a question of whatever catches his attention next or what he gets excited about next. He's a really. Exactly. Whether you like his work or not, he's a passionate guy and he's making stories that he wants to make. So if he decides sure. he wants to make it, he will. And if he decides that he's interested in something else, it'll be that. Mm-hmm. That's well. Yeah. That's exactly why I brought up the the whole thing of like during the same press junket to a different interviewer, he was chatting about Kill Bill Volume Three. He just mm. he's doing whatever you know. He's got a, a plethora of ideas, right? Like it, maybe it's this next, maybe it's that next. Like we don't. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't even know. You know, he's right. he's thinking about it. So, um, and then just to you know, hammer this home because I've seen people still conflate this somehow. The news about Noah Hawley that we've talked about on a podcast a few a few episodes ago, kind of restarting efforts on a fourth Kelvin movie, totally separate project. They don't impact each other. Mm. Um, so just because you've got a director and a, a different script going, that doesn't mean, oh, yeah, see, Tarantino's not going to direct. Remember, they're separate. They're totally separate projects. They always were. And neither one is confirmed. That's right. right. That is true. 
both of them are still very iffy <laughs> it's it's kind of sad but it's true so take all of that stuff with a grain of salt well it's all about spin right because the execs are like we have stu- two star trek movies in production or no, they don't say in production That's like right. on tap or in development or however they want to say it so you can you know again like everything you can decide which spin you want to put on that like there's nothing happening yep. until something's happening or there are two exciting projects moving forward yep depends who you ask and when you ask them basically yep. <laughs> and then ask them again later that day that's right. <laughs> and maybe you'll get something slightly different. Well, anyway, so that's that. Just more of a, the same in a holding pattern. It's kind of unfortunate, but there you go. Well, and going through a wormhole of sorts to an alternate uh, sci-fi franchise for a minute, uh, let's let's touch on the Orville, our, our adopted show of sorts at Trek Movie. Uh, Jared, you wanted to just touch on it. And Laura, I know you have a little experience you could share as well. So my main thing I wanted to say is I really wish it was coming back because yeah, it's... Yeah, because this is the time of year. Exactly. The, the last two years, it's premiered in late December. I think like just right around New Year's. And it, I, I really like miss that it's not there, even though it's only been around two years. But I, I think, and, and Kayla's voiced this... Um, not having it there and giving us the chance to uh, to have it, it, it sort of it's it gone. Yeah, it gives us used the, to it being gone. Yeah, yeah, it gives us the opportunity to not miss it, if that makes sense, right? Especially if yeah. everybody's thinking about Picard. If there's that little part of your brain that says this time, this time of year, we should be watching the Orville. If we're not, and and then if we realize that's okay, then that can be bad. I really think they needed to move faster to try to to try to get another season out, even if they just did like a like a BBC type of Christmas special thing where they just did oh, one, yeah. one oh, yeah. little oh, hit. I think, yeah. I think sure, that would have yeah. been good. And Especially so, because yeah. now they can be non-traditional because they're on Hulu. Sure. Yeah, they, they can do, they they can do whatever they want. They have a lot more freedom. Yeah. I mean, so mm-hmm. I was uh, in LA in November um, and I got to go to the mm-hmm. set and have a visit. Thanks to Tom oh, Costantino, cool. who's an awfully wonderful, nice guy who's helped us out a lot with access and coverage and things like that. So I signed an NDA, so I can't say, you know, we right, took, you can't really say anything. Right. Yeah. Like Tom took a million pictures of us and then kept all of them except the ones that he knew were 100 percent safe. And then he'll send me the rest. Mm. Which is smart. Later. Of course. Yeah. They, they have to do that. Right. Um, but I will say that they are that everything's just going to like they're they're spending their money well. They're investing so much time and effort into making everything look really great. When you walk through the set, they've tried to make it as that you're on a spaceship as much as possible so that you're walking from one place to the next like it's quite the construction and i don't think i can say anything more than that and i will probably can't say anything else yeah that they even like i got to see some of the effects that they're working on and it's it's all just gonna be amped up to a new level and the best part about it is everyone there like i don't love every episode of the show there are ones i didn't like there are ones i did like um but every single person working on that show seems to be having a great time. They're so excited. They're so creative. They're enjoying the creative challenges and the storytelling that they're doing. And when you see that going on behind a show, you can't help but get excited about it just for that oh, reason. And everything we saw was like looked amazing and authentic and, and cared about very much. 
And I think that's one of those things like that's not just hype, you know what I mean? Like because that's that's like what people like Seth had come out and said, look, sorry, season three is going to be later, but it's worth it because we're putting a lot of time and effort into it. That's not just hype. Like, right. You just saw the results, like yeah, the, the early results of that. And, and he's you know. very deeply involved in all levels of it. From yes, the effects yes. to the sets to decisions about props and everything well, it's his like baby. that. So, yeah, <laughs> and that he still has that level of involvement is great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it was really, we had a great time there and we got to see so much, so much, and it's just going to look fantastic. So, and, you know, and then it'll be on Hulu and, you know, I have the ad free, so that'll be there a nice change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trek... Trek alumni Doug Drexler is now working at the Orville, which is really cool. And so, if you also like want proof that it's fun to work there, you should see what follow you know, him on Facebook. Yeah, just you should go see his little him. anecdotes on Facebook. Yeah, he's having a blast. Yeah, I really so. want. He wasn't there the day we were there, and I really wanted to meet him, uh, and I didn't get to. But he is just clearly having so much fun, and feels like he's right back in his element, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, there you go. I, I caught an episode or two of the Orville when I was on a plane a month ago or so. It when I watched that episode with Robert Picardo and John Billingsley, where they go mm-hmm. back to Alora's home planet, which I think is one of their best episodes that they've done. It's a and, good one. Yeah, yeah. it's good. And, and it's nice. That, see, that's what I like about continuity with, with a TV show where we're following that Alora is 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 returning home. But you can still just pluck one episode off and watch that, right? Like I've, I'm sure I've said a couple times here. Like I loved yeah, Battlestar no, Galactica I, when I it was on the air, but I've never revisited it sure. because you can't just watch yeah. one episode. There's something to be said for it. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So that they're taking that format is is really good, and and to see two Starfleet doctors who are having such a good time there, uh, really speaks well to the atmosphere that they've created on set. Yes, totally. They're, they're both really good actors, I think. They're great. So, yeah. All right, so that's the Orville. We came out last week, and we should chat about our, the two animated short treks. These, uh, these are different, of course, because they're animated, and it's the first animation that has been in Trek since the 70s. It's kind of a big deal in that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're, of course, two very different styles and you know content wise as well shorts um which i think is again that's kind of the short treks uh one of the points of short treks is to experiment and to kind of audition people and and new writers and styles and whatever else they want to play around with so you know that's laudable i think i think everyone appreciates that um so let's start with uh, the first one that I have here, which is the girl who made the stars, which of course is was mentioned in the first uh, episode of season two of Discovery. Yep. yep. So we get to hear about that that legend. Uh, it was written by Brandon Schultz, who was a co-writer. It was episode eleven of season two of Discovery, Perpetual Infinity, and it's directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, who's of course like directed and a producer and directed many episodes of the main Discovery show uh so here's our little little synopsis when a lightning storm in space scares a young michael burnham her father aims to ease her fears with a mythical story about a brave little girl who faced her own fears head on 
So I don't know what you guys thought. Well, but uh, this one I liked a lot, but I also didn't quite endear me to it in the same way as the next one. I think partly because I got really part of it is I got caught up with like the way they had the facial animation on Mike. So yeah. for dad, there's something not quite right about it. It was very it, Polar Express. Like it just had yeah, those. It, 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 it yeah. threw me off. And like, it kind of was weird. It reminded me of an old um, Law and Order video game that I used to play <laughs> like a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what they were going for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but but other than that, if, I, if, if you ignore that, of course, when it, when it, well, little, little Michael is just you know totally adorable and spot on like i love they they nailed it that looks like some you know cartoon version of baby sinequa or something you know what i mean <laughs> yeah they, they want to compete with baby yoda from the mandalorian uh, <laughs> yeah right uh-oh <laughs> um but yeah no it was it was great and i liked uh the voice actress that they got to be little little michael um she was really good uh and I know that they did. The other thing that I think that helps is I know that they did some motion capture, at least for her, the actress, to kind of help, you know. I don't think they animate. did it for him. <laughs> I don't think so either. Uh, they, they, uh, Brandon Schultz, you know, the writer, posted a few behind the scenes photos one after, you know, his episode came out on Twitter. And only, um, oh, only the little girl who now I can't think of her name and I should have known um, the actress. She's the only one with mocap spots on her face in those behind the scenes pictures. So right. I kind of think, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking so. Um, so anyway, yeah, I liked it. I also, really, uh, but the legend part is very cool. It brings up some questions of like, I think it irked people only because usually myths and stuff don't always find their way into Trek exactly. You know, like usually it's about debunking things or very tech and science, right? Um, but sort, sort of like that episode at Devil's Do of TNG where they go to sure, the planet. Exactly, exactly. And, they, and yes. they meet the lady pretending to be the, she, the devil of this debunked. world. Right. Which so, is a great is a great episode. It is it's, a really it's a fun, fun episode. It's, a, it's so fun, yeah. yeah. So we yeah, right. So I think that's what we're used to thinking of of that that's a very Roddenberry thing of course that Devil's sure. Day was a holdover from phase two in fact so it, it's oh very, I forgot almost, that that's right I yeah. forgot that uh-huh yeah it's it's so so anyway right so we're used to that kind of thing and I think it kind of threw people for a loop that like does this belong in Star Trek and and I don't think there's a I don't actually think that's a problem I think people a need to adjust a little and b remember no one is saying this isn't a legend this is a tale. This is a tall tale being told to a kid. In the, uh, presumably, like, we still t- tell tall tales to kids in the future, right? Like, to make them feel better or, like, you know, for the crazy kind of story. Uh, for example, what made me think that people who object to this remember there's, like, a whole episode about what people thought to be a legendary society of Aldea in season one of TNG. So there are still legends, by the way, around. <laughs> or, or or the Iconians in season two. And the Iconians, of course. Right. They were considered, you know, these demons of air and darkness. There legends, it is. Right. Yes. Yes, indeed. So it, so I think in that sense, 
there is a place for this, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think, look, I thought it was, I like you, I like the other one better, but I, it was sweet, it was cute, it was actually nice for kids. I think, like, if I had little kids, it would be a fun thing for them to watch. I'm, I'm like, yeah. okay, so she's holding a stuffed tardigrade. I, I'm fine. It's like a cute yeah, story we can and a legend. That. It's not meant to be yeah. like, this is a historical look at Michael Burnham's past. Like, I think it's meant to sort of take an element of the show and do something fun. And it actually, because they use those characters and we kind of sadly know what happens next in her life, yes, it adds yes. kind of a, a sad twist. Poignancy. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely because we know that this terrible thing happens and that she wants to feel safe and not scared. Uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but then if you want to just spin that, you could say, look, it's nice to see her when she was when she was sweet and and had didn't have that shadow hanging over her. Yeah, totally. And she was just a kid, a human kid. Yeah. Yep, that's right, a human kid. So, um, so another kind of cool thing about this is that Brandon Schultz, the writer. Uh, thought of this actually to to be to be part of the main season of Discovery. He th- he wanted to use it, and I think this is a nice kind of idea. It doesn't work because the finale was insanely packed already. But it was a nice idea that he wanted to kind of bookend things, right? So so brother opens with adult Michael talking about this legend, and he had a cool idea that what if there was another flashback, you know, with her with young Michael and her dad with him recounting the legend as worked into like a flashback in the finale, like Burnham's recollecting this at some point in the season two finale. Now, obviously the season two finale is like crazy packed with stuff. So it just wasn't going to work. But the cool part is, is the producers liked it and said, okay, that's a cool idea. Let's make it a, let's make it the animated short track, you know, like let's spin it off. So I think that was cool, and that's wise of them to just make it this animated story. Sure. Yep, I agree. I mean, again, the the animation is what threw me off with it with the dad with Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is fine. Everything else was fine, but that it was just every time he spoke, I was like, "What? Something's wrong. Something's off." I I love that you referenced the Polar Express, which is sort of the benchmark <laughs> for the Uncanny Valley, and yeah. how, how damning <laughs> must it be? For whoever did the art direct, the, you know, I guess it was Robert Zemeckis was the director, but everyone involved with that, that your participation in this movie has become the superlative the for, low bar. for bad yeah. special effects. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. like as a parent, there was an era when I had to watch that movie quite a few times. Once oh, did you? Yeah. Ah, That's okay. right. Yeah. I'm sure you did. So I've seen it a lot. <laughs> Not lately, but a lot. yeah that's true that was a thing that was on everywhere and for kids a certain age they watched it a ton yeah i'm sure we had the dvd and they just watched it all the time so for a little while and it was just it's got some elves like it's a very strange weird (laughs) movie and the animation is just off and again a lot like that law and order video game I gave up on long before I solved the crime, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) But the second one. The second one. Oh, man. Yeah. I I mean, I I actually thought it was. I know there's a big mistake and everybody already talked about it. But uh, what's the mistake? I thought it was. uh, Well, we'll we'll tell you. Okay. Okay. So so let me let me let me set it up and then let's talk about it. This is the one that I think I know both you and I have really 
enjoyed. Um, so what we're talking about is Ephraim and Dot. Uh, it was written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony Moranville. And those two guys have also written something for Discovery Season 2 before. They wrote Episode 10, The Red Angel. And I think they were writer's assistants before that? Yes. Yeah. They, they've definitely paid their dues. Yep. They These guys have been around since Season 1 as assistants and, and you know doing whatever they need to do in the writer's room. Um, so they definitely know the Discovery universe. They've been there since the beginning. It was directed by Michael Giacchino, who is, of course, the uh, composer. Yeah. Yeah. So naturally, he composed the music that goes with it, which is delightful. Mm-hmm. And he oversaw the direction of it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Here's our little tagline for it, which is, Ephraim, a humble tardigrade, is flying through the mycelial network when an unexpected encounter takes her on a bewildering adventure through space, which is very vague. So what is it, what really happens, <laughs> right, is she, of course, encounters the Enterprise, the classic Enterprise, although the the Discovery updated version, but we'll let that go. Um, with with Kirk in command, even as we find out, and she gets to sort of spy on various mostly TOS adventures that happen as she's trying to chase after the Enterprise and keep a hold of her eggs, like keep track of her eggs, right? And it's very cute. Um, it it's it's totally you know like non sequitur. And there's no way in hell you could think this is like strictly canonical because it's <laughs> no. not sure, not yeah. in any way, shape, or form. No, it's um, not. It's not, but it's, it's fun. It's not supposed to be. It's not. No, supposed no, absolutely to be. not. It's, it's, yeah, it's really fun, and that's right. really what it's supposed to be. That's right. Yes, it's definitely not supposed to be in any way like serious. Um, it's very Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes. Like I, that part. I mean, that's I think why I'm so drawn to it. Is of <laughs> course. <laughs> growing up on you know the steady diet of the looney tunes as a kid i mean it's just hard to ignore the you know the delightful music and of course uh Chikino is a, is a composer of course for the some of the, the kelvin movies but lots of pixar movies are in his background too so he's the right guy for this kind of stuff you know right i mean when you watch those old looney tunes which are so great the music is astonishing it's so mm. perfect it's so great and so I think that he seems to have felt that same responsibility to make sure that it all, that it's just, that it's yep. such an, an important piece of it. And he did a great job. It is, it's so Looney Tunes. I wasn't a big Tom and Jerry person. No, me neither. Which, Looney um, Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I know that he connected to that also. And, um, but I really just, I thought it was Looney Tunes like and warm and funny and cute. Yes. Um, and I enjoyed watching it. I watched it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It starts out. This also bothers some people. This goes back to being obviously non-canonical and that <laughs> really, you know, anachronistically, like weirdly, it starts out with black and white film reel kind of intro, as if it was like an old film reel you're showing kids in the fifties in a classroom or something, you know. But it says it's from Starfleet Science, and it's a you know. It's an educational, you know, film strip basically about the tardigrade in space, you know, and it's very cute. And ob- see, again, obviously not to be taken seriously. Like, it's right. cute. It's a play on the kind of film strips that, like, our ki- my kids are not seeing. Like, no, that era is it, long gone. Yeah, that's right. But we grew up <laughs> seeing those. So anybody over about, I don't know, what, 35 probably has seen those sure. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And the narrator is uh, Kirk Thatcher. Is that? Uh, this is such a cool yeah. Easter egg of sorts. Yeah. 
You want to say who Kirk Thatcher is well, to truckies? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was. He worked for Leonard Nimoy. He was his assistant, but people will recognize him. He was the the punk, right, on the bus. Yep, the yeah. punk on the bus in Star in, Trek Four. Star Trek Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he made the punk song that he's got on that you know boombox blasting. That yes. was him. Yes. Yeah, I hate you is the official title of that song. <laughs> but it was it was nice that he was involved in that, and definitely like it does. It if it, it feels like a love letter to Star Trek, so that's what's nice about it too. Is it's done with appreciation and not just let's just throw this in because fans will like it, but let's throw this in because I really like it. Mm. Is the sense that I got, and I. They lifted original, they have the dialogue yes. from the original series, which is just a really nice touch. It's so, it's just well done and fun. And yeah, it just, it feels like th- those moments that that they wanted to revisit because they were great moments. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, it's almost like there's a nod to Devil in the Dark because it's a mother trying to protect eggs. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, nice. Silvery I, I, eggs. I didn't Silvery eggs too. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, her you know, eggs look like horda eggs almost. In fact, it's it's very you know they do. It's yeah, it's very clever, very cute. It's um, playful. It's all about it's it's basically yeah. just playing with all with all this different Trek stuff in a fun right. way. And and definitely some things are out of order. Which again, like okay, just deal. They're slightly out of order. Every most things are actually no, but it's also mycelial network. So that means that everything's sure, going to be crazy. out of order. You, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because like you know, mostly they are in roughly the right order. But the only thing that's for sure out of order is Sulu going nutty with his uh, with his fencing yep. foil is out of order with Khan. But oh well, that's the only one that's actually like straight up out of order. So whatever, it's fine. And we get to see the giant green space hand. And there's a planet killer like the Doomsday Machine, and there's oh, and a Tholian web. At the very beginning, we see the salt vampire, right? Like at the very oh yes, very of course, beginning. that's yep. right. Oh, and the and the Doomsday Machine, a person. Yep, favorite. it's in there. Yeah. yeah. And then I actually, and I like that of all things, they chose to use the giant Abraham Lincoln from the Savage <laughs> Curtain. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. sure, okay, yep. he looks cool. He Why looks not? a little angrier in this one. <laughs> he. Yeah, he's pissed and he shakes his fist yeah. at the Enterprise as it passes him by. Yep. It's like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> it's very random, uh, but cute. Uh, and then, of course, like we end up in Wrath of Khan and the Reliant shows up and they fight. Yeah. And then because because in theory, this is, you know, this is the same Enterprise. It just got refit. So her eggs are still in there. Of course, we know what happens to the original Enterprise. Yeah. She dies over Genesis, and that's what happens here, too. And we think, you know, her eggs are gone with it. It's very sad. And then it's nice because the little dot repair droid, who we forgot to mention already, is is her nemesis, right? The little dot, you know, repair droid is over there attempting to do its job and keep the Enterprise tidy and free of, like, <laughs> free of <laughs> visitors, unwelcome visitors. Yeah. It's very it's it's very Wally, you know, but it's cute. It's got the whole thing going on, and so Dot is of course attempting to flush out Ephraim at every chance she gets. That's where the Tom and Jerry part comes in, you right. know. The, and um, and much to our you know pleasant surprise, right? Dot has basically sacrificed himself. I've 
I don't think that one has a gender, but but I've seen people gender it as him because there's a her in mm. the tardigrade. Sure. But I'm not really sure about that. Whatever. Um, Dot, you know, has sacrificed itself basically to keep her babies alive. And, you know, Dot has survived just barely the explosion of the Enterprise over Genesis. And, you know, all is well, actually. And saved all the eggs yeah, and the babies. all the babies. And it's cute and things are okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a hug. <laughs> that's true that's true she does basically hug dot and like t- i think they fly off together right yeah, she they takes do. dot with her it's yeah. lovely so that's very nice yeah. uh okay so can, so should we engage our nitpicky trek hats for a minute there's I, a couple I, of things that are I, annoying that, that's why they pay us the big bucks we have to zero dollars we yeah. get yeah <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't get paid <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's a one major problem and I, I really don't understand how this ever happened because one trip to memory alpha asking one ship nerd among the staff somewhere would have solved this somehow. As soon as the enterprise gets refit, it becomes the a, the 1701 a, ah, Oh, which ah, is absolutely yeah. not possible. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. such an iconic moment yeah. when we see the a at the end of voyage home. Well, yeah, and more so, if she laid her eggs in the original Enterprise, that literally, her eggs can't be there. It's an entirely different ship. Yeah. Because the original one blew up over Genesis, which we then see. Yeah. So, um, that can't be. <laughs> they really goofed. And, of course, what's happened, I mean, in the meantime, I mean, you know, G- Michael Giancanino's a, a nice guy, and he went to Twitter and even said, really sorry, that is a mistake. It should not be there for whatever it's worth. You know? There yeah. you go. Like... Um, and then to be super nitpicky, of course, this gets down to the whole, well, she laid her eggs in the TOS enterprise. How did her eggs survive the massive refit Mm. (laughs) that happens before the motion picture? Because, because it was massively refit, especially the warp engines, in fact, were like torn out. So how, how is it that her eggs are kind of safely nestled in one of the chambers of like, you know, the warp engine vents or whatever? Um, and but that whatever is the beauty that of one, cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> and that one's like, yeah, that one is like, hey, all right, whatever. Well, this is a Looney Tunes. It's fine. I can I can forgive that. But literally the wrong ship because it's physically a different ship. Like, come on, dude. Just don't. Why did you even paint the A label on it? Just don't do that. Yeah, you know, like just don't do it. All right, but that's it. That that I mean, that's annoying. But it doesn't prevent me from finding it a delight. Okay, I'll yep. overlook it. Like we talked about, this is non-canonical, uh, very obviously. So you know what? Whatever. I'm 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 good. And it looked great. <laughs> I love the bright colors. I mean, that's the Looney Tunes thing for me too. Is is sharp very lines so. and bright yeah. colors and lots of curves and lots of physical action. They're going through the pipe and the pipe oh, is yeah. bulging as they're going through it. Yeah. And it, was, it just it looked it looked really great and it was fun. Tribbles fall out of a hatch. It reminded me of my childhood in a happy way. Oh, good. Yeah, exactly. It definitely just was so nice and very throwback to childhood. Yeah. Of course, if you weren't raised on Looney Tunes, I guess more you know this doesn't mean as much to to someone like that. But it's still know. fun. I think it would still be fun. Yeah, I think so too. I know it was enjoyed in my household. So and honestly, <laughs> everybody should be raised on Looney Tunes. Yes. Uh, agree. Absolutely. 
The only bummer is they're harder to find now. We have to, I think we got the whole Bugs Bunny set for my son when he was little. So we used to watch oh, them nice. a lot. Yeah. So you've indoctrinated him appropriately. Yes. Good. Good. Yes. <laughs> I don't think my daughter ever got interested though, sadly. Oh, yeah. well, it's all right. One out of two ain't bad, right? Yeah. Okay, well, really, that's what we have. This is just a quickie for you guys. It's about to be the holiday season, so it's going to slow way down for a few weeks, and then we'll be back and we'll have a lot to talk about, sort of pre-Picard and Picard. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us on this short trek. (laughs) 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 And, And have a great holiday, everybody. Yes, please have a safe and happy holidays. And we'll see you in the new year. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone.